Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Marion and Leonard, Words of Love, is renowned filmmaker Nick Broomfield's most personal and romantic film of his storied career. The documentary starts on the Greek island of Hydra in 1960, where Leonard Cohen, then a struggling and unknown fiction writer, and Marion Elin, a single mother with a young son, became a part of a community of expat artists, writers, and musicians through never-before-seen footage shot by Broomfield and legendary documentarian D.A. Pennebaker make a unique portrait of this idyllic 1960s-era Bohemia. Again, the film is called Marion and Leonard, Words of Love, and we're joined today by the director, Nick Broomfield. Nick, welcome to Film School Radio. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. I want to let our listeners also know other films that you've directed, Kurt and Courtney, Whitney, Can I Be Me, and one of my favorite documentaries, Biggie and Tupac. Um, so many of your films. I'm just a, a big fan, so it's great to have you on. But tell me a little bit about the origins of this particular documentary, Marion and Leonard, Words of Love. I, well, it was a very, it's really a very personal film for me because I was, when I was 20, I went to the island of uh, Idra. It's a very beautiful island for those who haven't been there. It's uh, a great array of houses going up a hill, very tightly packed to each other, which only has mules taking things up and down. It's much too narrow for cars. And I think when I was there in sort of in the 60s, there was really, I think there was virtually no electricity and very few houses had running water. So it sort of took you back to an ancient time. And it was just so romantic. And there was a, a community of artists and painters and writers there. And one of the people that I met pretty much as soon as I got there was Marianne, um, who was about 10 years older than me. But immediately, I mean, I was kind of smitten with with her uh, from the moment I met her. But she also introduced me to this whole other world um, of sort of writers and painters and so on that I always was aware might exist. But, you know, in my own quite sheltered upbringing, this was all a revelation to me. And she also introduced me to the work of D.A. Pennybaker, uh, who had been on the island the year before and who had filmed Mariana with her young son, Axel, uh, beautifully. You know, he's such a poet with a camera. And she showed me Don't Look Back that he had done and was actually very encouraging that I should try and make my very first film. And when she and Leonard passed within three months of each other, they had been such a big, influential part of my life that I just felt it would be great to have the time to go back to that period of my life and spend a bit more time on it and to also look up some of the people that had been my dear friends at that time but who, for one reason or another, I was no longer really in touch with. You know, it was... Um, I think sometimes you catch up with yourself and you realize that 
your life has moved on and you've kind of lost a lot of those people that you cared for and loved a lot in your life. And sometimes it's great to have the opportunity to reconnect. And making this film gave me that opportunity. Was there something about <coughs> there something about Marianne that was so encouraging, inviting? What was it about her as a sort of her personality or the way that she she spoke to you? What was it about her that you felt this connection? Other than being very beautiful, she was also very much in the moment. She used to throw the I Ching a lot, and, and she particularly liked getting uh, the receptive. Uh, and she was very, she was, she was there, and she, was, she lived in the moment, which I remember was a, a thing of that time. And she really listened, and she was interested in you. You felt that she was really, there are not many people really who, when you talk to them, you feel that they're really listening. They really fully concentrated, not thinking about lots of other things or thinking of things that they can say back to you. And so for, you know, a rather lost 20-year-old, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. because I didn't really know what I was doing or, you know, what I might do next. I was studying law uh, in Cardiff University and it was the end of my first year. And I was somewhat at a loss as to whether I was, I didn't think I was really going to necessarily practice law. So it was a really good timing to meet her as well. So did you literally pick up a camera while you were on the island? When did you, when, did, when was the first time you picked up a camera? Well, I used to do a lot of still photography. Okay. Um, and, and in fact, my father were, was an industrial photographer. He would go around factories and take pictures of massive, you know, the steelworks with workers in the steelworks and so on. And he had actually given me one of his old cameras, uh, uh, which was a two and a quarter square Voigtlander, which, you know, it's just a twin lens reflex. You look down it mm -hmm. to take a picture, mm -hmm. uh, but it's very good quality. And you can take wonderful pictures, but it's a kind of full-time job to operate the camera. And, you know, it doesn't have exposure meter and stuff. You have to set all exposures and so on. And I was taking pictures on Egypt when I was there. <clears throat> and I think that's probably what encouraged Marianne down the road of telling me about Penny Baker, who'd been there the year before, and showing me his work. And trying to find a way to make some kind of future out of what was clearly my passion, which was taking pictures. Uh, and, and she was absolutely right, because I was, I think the one thing that I was quite good at, because I enjoyed it so much, was photography, you know, much more than anything else. And, and, and I think she was a great believer that people must follow their passions and their beliefs and not be put off from, by sort of, pragmatic and practical considerations. And sometimes I think, you know, when you're young, you just need somebody who's listening to you, who believes in you, and who's encouraging you to follow your instincts to actually, you know, it gives you the confidence to actually take that risk. So into this mix, 
comes Leonard Cohen. How did he come into the to this picture? Well, although I had a brief, um, you know, fling really with Marianne, the person that she was in love with, and I think arguably her entire life, was was Leonard. I think she was always very influenced by him and his his views on on the world and his views of life and I remember he became involved with Scientology and that kind of thing. She would study things like Scientology and Est and Buddhism and I think a lot of that came from Leonard. So she was always talking about him and always I, I very rarely ever heard her critical of Leonard. I think he was a I think she was incredibly grateful for having met him, even though their relationship, I think, was very painful at times. In watching the film, um, Marianne and Leonard, the words of love, she seems, uh, and from your description, from what you're talking about, she seems like a very nurturing person, where my impression of Leonard Cohen is that he was an exceptionally intelligent man, and also a man that was um, was aggressive about what he wanted from from his life in a way that um, may not have always been um, the most kind person, but his intelligence mm. and his sense of the world around him was so compelling. I could I can understand what he was very charismatic. I guess a, a long way of saying a very charismatic person. Is that, yes. is that fair? Yes, I think so. I think he was very driven and extremely disciplined in his work. And I think he was, he could be very kind, but I think it has to be probably on his time because he was determined to complete whatever project he yeah. was on. Yeah. I think he, he was a very hard worker. I mean, he was a sort of three-page-a-day kind of guy. And I think she was she was the person who provided the lunch and the sandwiches and the mental support to encourage him to do that. And I think was also the person who encouraged him to try and put some of his writings to music, partly because they were having such a problem financially to actually live off what little he was earning. Yeah, he was in the film. We see how just how reluctant he was to pursue that course where he picked up a guitar and began to sing. That was there's a it's but but again, going back to what I what my observation is about him is that he was determined once he made that commitment or once he got into that realm to be exceptionally good at it. And he had the yes, talent. I think go ahead. I think he um really lacked confidence in terms of being a performer himself. And I guess it was many years before he really made a virtue of his own, in a way, his own shortcomings as a singer. And uh, I guess in those initial years, I mean, from talking to some of the musicians and stuff, it was a struggle for him to really... uh, feel true to himself and to feel relaxed in that form of communication. 
And I think he, as a musician, he was quite limited in what he could do. He, he didn't have a big range and so on, but he was incredibly talented at what he could do, yeah. which was amazing writing. I think it was, uh, what was his name, uh, the, um, the producer on the first album, Songs of... Oh, John, uh, John Simon. So John Simon said, you know, his lyrics were far superior to anybody else's. Yes. He was on the par with the great poets. Just so sophisticated. It wasn't, yes, exactly. I would make the argument that some of the greatest songwriters, I would say Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, many others in the realm of, it wasn't how they said it, it was what they said. And, um, yeah. and one of the great gifts I think of when I think of the early 60s and sort of the bohemian um, culture is that we got away from someone with a pretty voice and, and accepted people who were like Leonard Cohen and like Bob Dylan. Uh, and uh, that was just part of who they were. And it was it became part of our culture to ex to be more accepting of that that sound you know somebody who didn't have a great voice like but i again i would even argue that that even that aesthetic isn't exactly accurate because i found cohen's voice to be completely appropriate for what he was say saying in in his music so uh beauty is in the eye of the beholder <laughs> so um yeah absolutely i well i agree and i think he used it you know to great effect, especially towards the end. Yeah. Um, you know, when when he actually was in the period where he really enjoyed touring and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about kind of being around for Leonard Cohen's life. Uh, I was around when he first came onto the scene and, and being a part of his, listening to his music, enjoying him as an artist and, and all of it, that there was a, there was something very deep and and real about his songwriting and his perspective and to see someone who was his muse, who was, who one of the great things about watching Marianne and Leonard and Words of Love is that they remained in some way connected to one, one another throughout their life, whether or not they saw each other as often as they probably could or should have. Yeah. You know, they were connected and that's this is a love this is a, a love story this i mean it's a great love story yes yeah and i think it what 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 i think works too is that so many love stories are not the sort of chocolate box love that you uh, are sort of almost schooled to have a lot of you know love stories are very um spread out of uh, one's life and you dip in and out of it and it's um it's a, more of an enduring love than that extremely passionate love. That, yeah. uh, it's, and I think that's what they had. They had something that was spread over um, sort of 60 years. It had that, that its own particular power it, it, and many different chapters in their lives. Yeah. And I think that was what's so special about it. Yeah. Well, in the last minute or so that I have with you, I just want to once again sort of let people know, first of all, we're speaking with Nick Broomfield. He's the director of the new film, Marion and Leonard, Words of Love. It is out here in Los Angeles this Friday, July 5th. Uh, check it out. It's at the Landmark Theater in Los Angeles, one of the great theater complexes in all of Los Angeles to see it. Well, 
for those of you in the audience who are familiar with the work with the work of Nick Broomfield, and that it would include Kurt and Courtney, uh, Whitney, Can I Be Me, and Biggie and Tupac, your, your films are always so personal. Um, often, not so much the case with Whitney, but with the others, you are a part of our journey. You are our guide. And in some ways, you are here, but it's like, in an, in another way, you stepped aside to let this story as it, it unfold. And it's just a beautiful film. It is really, truly, oh, yeah, it really is. Well, thank you so much, and yeah. I hope people enjoy it, too. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, it's if, if you are in love with the idea of being in love and what it really means and all of the sort of messiness of that uh, idea... Uh, this is a film that will reinforce your notion that it is a, it is more than possible. It is uh, if you find the right person, it's inevitable. And um, I, again, I'm I'm so grateful, so very thrilled that you've been able to find some time to spend with us here today. Well, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again. The film is Marianne and, and Leonard. The words of love. We've been speaking with the director Nick Broomfield. Thank you. Goodbye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.